When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Christopher Rennie bringing you another episode of the Buck Pop Podcast with Land Grant Holy Land. And as always, I'm joined by Jordan Williams. How are you doing today, Jordan? I'm good. I'm exhausted. It's been a long day. We're talking Buckeye football, so I'm going to find me a little bit of energy until the podcast is over. And then I'm going to sleep. I do feel that. I feel that in a lot of ways. I, I feel like I'm running on caffeine and confidence at this point. Like, I don't think there's actually any energy in the tank. I don't but, have any caffeine in me. I, I meant to get an energy drink before I, I uh, left work, but I forgot. So it's just. We're riding. That's what it's all about. This is, this is the grind of the college football season. This is what we're bringing to you. This is, this is some real lunch pail stuff we're bringing to the show today. So you guys. Hope you appreciate it. We're putting some effort in because we're playing a lunch pail football team this week in Wisconsin. So uh, it's going to be an exciting matchup. Another night game. So another week with less sleep than we should get on a Saturday night. But I think we'll deal with it. Blackout, black uniforms. I think we got that later in the show. We're going to debate alternate uniforms again every year. I got messages. Uh, I actually have a take I kind of want to start with before we get into the show. So the black uniforms, I think they're nice. I like them. But I feel like I, I think what I was reading, this, this is the first time they've used the black uniform since 2019 or something like that. And I was just kind of confused. You know, I feel like that's one thing. Ohio State's really good with tradition and you know, hang on Sloopy, all the stuff the band plays, the skull session and all that, that game day environment stuff. But when it comes to alternate uniforms, I feel like Ohio State really kind of drops the ball. And I feel like if you're going to have black uniforms, you should have a definitive game where you're going to wear black uniforms or an alternate uniform. I, I really don't care which one it is, but we need it on the schedule. You need it prepared for. And it needs to be consistent. Like it can't just be, oh, hey, randomly, we're going to wear all red this year or hey randomly we're gonna wear all white let's schedule this thing out in advance let's get people prepared let's get people excited let's have an alternate game week week six every year schedule it and whoever comes in gets the alternate game and you know that's why penn state's whiteout so successful and i know it's within their jerseys but i just feel like they throw the black uniforms on us just randomly on a tuesday every year they throw like those all gray uniforms on us randomly like, what was that about? Like, they just randomly are going to play Penn State in all gray uniforms. I don't know. I think that's where I have kind of grown a little bit older. And I'm like, 
the only issue I have with it is the lack of consistency. Let's find some consistency here, Ohio State. Yeah, I kind of agree. I kind of disagree because um, the Penn State whiteout is not the same game every year. Mm-hmm. But the thing that they do good about the whiteout is I'm pretty sure they tell you before the season starts. Because, like, once the once the um, the schedule drops, you can you know what game is going to be the whiteout. Like if Ohio State's coming to Penn State, that's always the whiteout game, so it doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, their whiteout game this year sucks. Was it Auburn? Uh, Minnesota, I think. Oh, okay. Ah. Uh, but like, I mean, that's I not they, their fault. So like, I think I Penn mean, State wants to win their whiteout game this year. That's the whole point of it. They're and not going to win that game, though. So, like, Ohio State is a big noon kickoff. That's why, because Fox yeah. took the game. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to beat Minnesota, so it doesn't matter. Um, Yeah, I mean, so first of all, as far as the blackout thing, I, from my limited understanding, and maybe this is a hope and a dream, I think that the plan is to do the red out every year and make that kind of the whiteout. And I think the blackout or just the alternative uniform thing is just kind of sporadic. So, because... Yeah, like I think I am mm, not gonna, I'm not gonna say with any confidence they'll do it against Michigan because that's the rival. But the way they did it last year and they hyped it and like that kind of stuff, it feels like the red out. They're trying to make the red out a yearly thing. So I guess we'll see if that comes in later. But I think the blackout is just kind of like a, you know, if we feel like doing it, we'll do it. And if we're being honest, there's no other game on the schedule to do it but Wisconsin. So like, right. doing it makes absolute sense. Doing it for this game makes absolute sense. But you knew Wisconsin was the first game of the year for like months. So you could have planned ahead. Um, so, I mean, so that, I kind of agree as like, why are you telling us on Tuesday? But I do not think it needs to be like the same week every year because like yeah. I don't want a blackout against Indiana. I just don't like whichever I is think- the best non-Michigan home game should be the blackout. And then when Michigan's here, it should be the red out when they're not here, then just the best game on the schedule, no matter what it is. But I mean, we'll see Uh, as far as like your point about just like dropping the ball on alternate uniforms. Yeah. I think I agree with that a hundred percent. And I really think it's largely just because like the coaches don't care. like, we talked about this in the thing and I, you know, my limited experience at Kent state, like the coaches and the teams really kind of pick the uniforms. And I really just think that like, you know, when you're Ohio State, you uh, don't – you're trying to win a national championship. Uh, Georgia doesn't do – this is not a reason. This is not an excuse because I don't care about these programs, and I think we should still do it because we try. But, like, Georgia doesn't do alternative uniforms. Alabama, I think, never wears alternate uniforms. No, they have um, zero. You see, uh, you, uh, USC doesn't often. I don't think Texas does. Like, there's a lot of big programs, Texas, whether they win or not. Do they? Texas and Georgia do black uniforms too. Ew. Why does Texas do a black uniform? Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying they've done it. I, I thought they uh, were pretty cool, but um, yeah. But in general, a lot of big programs don't focus don't on really that. Need it. You really want to see that at like Kent State, Oregon, TCU, Indiana, like those types of things. Establishing themselves, yeah. Yeah, my only complaint about it is we do try, so then they could do better. <laughs> like, like yeah. if they just never did alternate uniforms, it's fine. But like, if you're gonna do it, like, 
let's go it for be it. Better. Like you, you're gonna give us the all gray and then just never do it again. That was awesome. Those are my favorite uniforms. And I think they've tried the gray and red, and they, in my opinion, they kind of botched it a little bit. Like that, the all gray that we're talking about. If they did that with red pants, or uh, you know, either way, red pants and, and, a, and a gray uh, red pants, gray jersey, gray pants, red jersey, um, and that kind of like matte kind of thing, but it was basic. Every time that we've done the red and gray, it was like an old to old teams, and like that like 1930, like big red stripe with the yeah. gray on the side, that is one of the ugliest uniforms I've ever seen. So like, we don't need to do that. And then when we did the red and the gray with the stripes on the front of the jersey, that was also ugly. So like, I think we could do like a really cool matte, you know, kind of with like a with like a dope kind of shiny type helmet or something, or even a matte helmet if you want to yeah. go all matte, it doesn't matter. And they just haven't given it to us. So it's just like, so I love I, I love black though. I think it looks good, and unlike I Texas, black. black is actually one of our colors. So I'm not gonna complain about that too much. But um, you know, if you're gonna do it, you can do a little better. You have a million people in your department. Pay somebody yeah. like fifty thousand dollars a year to just do Give like jersey job. Jersey like, yeah, I'll personally say I like the stripes. I, I understood the cannonball helmet. They were really trying to go high in the theme of that, like shot out of a cannon, like Chick Harley stuff, but. Yeah, I think he, he could have done. It's, it's not like the, a weird reason, but it's just that that actual uniform combination is hideous. And it was random, also. Like the theme for it wasn't random, but like it felt like there was no buildup for it. And I, I, I worked through this kind of just sitting here thinking about it. You know, if you really want to do a great theme game and you kind of want it to be like non related to an opponent, because I feel like Michigan the best thing you could do would be red on blue. That would be the best, right? But you could say, hey, first home game every year, we're going to do a special jersey. I don't know what it's going to be, but get ready. It's going to be exciting. Just every first home game. Because I think that's where you could really get gimmicky. It's a first home game. You know, we have the 100 years in the stadium celebration this year. Like, you could have really got gimmicky with it and like been like, this is our stadium uniform. And fans could have loved it or hated it, but you have freedom. And I think that would have been fun. Yeah. Personally, not that we're ever going to be the whiteout. I think we should just do the whiteout. And Penn State always picks the best opponent on their schedule for a home game, which is why it's almost always Ohio State, which is why they always they don't have a good record in whiteout games because. But I, I just think it like I think it's not. I mean, they could have done it this year for the first one because it's Notre Dame, but you need it to be in an atmosphere when it's a big game. People are going to come. People are going to want to buy into it because there's excitement and like that kind of stuff. You can't do that for Rutgers. Like people aren't even coming to that game. Like you're still going to get a Rutgers because Ohio State fans are sickos. But like Wisconsin, I think is a good game to do it. I just think you could have told us that three months ago because you knew the game was coming up. And I honestly mm-hmm. don't think there's another game on the schedule that they could have done it. Like, I was absolutely not surprised that they did it at all. It's just like, you know. Got Wisconsin and Iowa. That's about it. Iowa's a gross mm-hmm. game. Nobody wants to see that. Wisconsin. You yeah, wear, Wisconsin. You could wear special uniforms. Wear. Like, they wore special uniforms. They wear special uniforms getting Nebraska all the time. So, yeah. It's just hey, you need a name game. I agree with that. I think there's ways you could schedule out and get people more excited earlier than what they do. Because like, like you said, Penn State has everything. They have their checkered game. They have their whiteout. They have their blue out. They have all those games. 
set and scheduled like six months out. And now they even let yeah. like the social media people have like their moment and be like, this is our blue and white game. This is our, you know, and they, it's fun, I think. So I, but nobody cares about the other games except it's yeah. just the white out. I didn't say yeah. there's too many. I think the red out could be cool. And then the occasional like black, I mean, we're Ohio State, game. so we get like eight home games a year. So you really could do a blackout and a red out every single year if you wanted to, which I think would be cool. Um, People but, were starting to buy into the blackout, and it was looking kind of good in there. But there's still just that that separatist aspect of the fan base. We're like, I'm going to wear my red. I mean, I think we look spectacular in black. Yeah. Uh, and a blackout in a night game is about to go absolutely crazy. It's not going to be as good as the red out. That red out was spectacular. Yeah, like, that was insane. That, that they did a good job. Nice. And but, the red pants uh, look nice. I didn't think yeah. red pants would be that great, but once they were actually on the field, I was like, this is awesome. Oh, no, you, you didn't have the vision. Those red pants, I was ready for it. Like, Yeah, I wish I was wearing those red pants, honestly. Because red, so there's a lot of like the, the where the NFL failed, not that we need to spiral on this with the color rush thing, is there are certain colors you just can't do together. At least it doesn't no. look good. You're red right. on red looks good, in my opinion. Gray on gray looks good, which is why the all gray, black on black, um, you know, but like some of like the NFL's like the blues Team and the yellows and stuff. Look bad. Some of the kind of, yeah, like that kind of stuff. It doesn't look good. So Ohio State has a lot of colors. Like literally every single one of their colors you could stack. You could do an all white, you could do an all black, you could do an all gray, you could do it all um you could do it all uh yeah. whichever one I missed. What did I say? Red, rush like, it. Yeah, red, Whatever. black, white. You, the only one you couldn't do gray. is silver. Like, silver's not really a color, but if you tried to implement that, and I know, like, silver's really just kind of on the helmets, and gray re- kind of replaces that on, like, actual uniforms and shirts and things. Silver would look weird or, like, a super light gray. I think it's got to be a little bit darker if we're going to talk about it this much. But, um, no, I, they, they could be a little bit more creative. I think sometimes they're like alternate uniforms, and all they did was change the stripes. And I'm, like, looking at the uniform, like, how the hell is this different? Like,. Yeah, and to go all roundabout and stuff, just uh, make the uniforms the ones with gray stripes, and I wouldn't even ask for alternates ever again. I don't think I've ever... I, yeah, I don't get into them that much as far as the stripes. I will say uh, the color scheme is ugly because it's shared with Michigan, but Kent State is killing Ohio State in the, in the, uh, in the alternate jersey game. Hey. And they're going to announce it. They had those light blue ones. Those are pretty sweet. Oh god, those are those are some of the sexiest uniforms I've ever seen. And I don't even know how light blue is a color for us. Uh, hey. Don't know where it came from. And then like you know, if football moves the the you know move moves the boat, whatever. Um, but they did it with other teams, and it even looked sexy on other teams. Um, like, yeah. I think the softball team did it, and that was crazy. It wasn't all light blue. It was just kind of more like a jersey kind of thing. Uh, uh, but what – oh, phew, that was wonderful. That was so, good. Good yeah, show. I mean, you know, Kent State's killing it. That's what you get when you uh, get $5 million a year to get your uh, brains beat in by yeah. the likes nice uniforms. Georgia and things like that. But um, also – I don't know how I kept doing this to myself. I just kept going to yellow and blue schools. West Virginia uniforms are not great in general, but the white uniforms they're wearing this week 
Do they, do they have the I state on them? The state on the helmet? That's pretty sweet. That helmet is sick. Like that, that's one of the I best helmets in college football. I said, "Gee, like boy, like that is." Yeah, uh, that that makes me want to sing "Country Roads," and I hate that song. Like, I went right. to West Virginia grad school, so I didn't get into like all of that, all of it. You know what I mean? But like, I, I would sing "Country Roads" for that helmet. That was fire. Absolutely. I mean, it makes it. It is "Country Roads" helmet, no, not personified hell helmet modified. I'll try. That's, that was an attempt. We're, we're making words up here. So. <laughs> all right. All right. Speaking of, all right. Let's get into the. Let's get into, let's get into some business now. That was Jersey talk. We should have honestly done that whole segment in New Jersey accents, but we missed an opportunity there. Uh, but our season checkpoint, reasonably, I think, post non-conference play, we have a lot of evidence now of what this Ohio State team can be. So let's get into it. Let's let's go through some questions here. Not anything crazy, but just to, let's get through it a little bit. All right. So the Buckeyes are three zero. They've I feel like they've improved every week. You know I think when you're playing a team like Notre Dame in week one, you're just trying to get out of there with a win. We all we kind of all felt that at the end of that they had the ball for like 22 minutes in the second half. So I don't think there was really any misguided attempts on what Ohio State was trying to do there. They actually did what Notre Dame was trying to do to them. But three zero beat Arkansas State beat. Toledo really handedly outside of some Daquan Finn magic. And we already talked about that um, on uh, probably every show this week in the Buckeye journalism feed, like all of them. Uh, Daquan Finn's a good player. Uh, so let's get started. How are we feeling about the defense? Let's start there. Let's just get the big, the big one out of the way. I'm feeling good about the defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good about the defense. I, I do have one thing to say because it's not in the pressure stuff, so I feel like we can say it now. Um, I, I'm very happy with Jim Knowles, and the reason why I'm happy with Jim Knowles is he doesn't lie to us. Um, and the reason lie. why I say that is he's been pretty, like, you know, well, he's thought pretty highly of Denzel Burke, despite the fact that uh, he hasn't been playing great. And so if he would have come out and been like, yeah, I wasn't super concerned about the defense or the fact that Daquan Finn, uh, Daquan Finn could kind of do whatever he wanted to, then it's like, okay, you're lying to us. You're not really happy about uh, Denzel. You're not happy with the defense. You just won't tell the media. And he came out and they're like, how did you feel about the defense? He said, we didn't do a good job. Works and I was like, okay. Level. I was like, all right, so he's not going to come out and lie to us. He's going to tell us how he truly feels. So when he says he's not concerned about something, not that he's always right or wrong, but when he says he's not concerned about it, he's really not concerned about it. And when he is concerned about it, we're going to know. And so, like, we don't have to do the whole BS meter kind of thing. I just like that he was very plain about it. uh, And there was not a defensive player of the game and, like, that kind of stuff. I was like, all right. So that means we're taking it serious. Like, 21 points. You know, not enough. Letting him have those two big plays, not enough. Like, you know, you could have looked at it like, you know, we beat him by 50-something points and all that other kind of stuff. But uh, that is not how you have the best defense in uh, America, which is the goal. So that is super positive. Um, As far as the defense as a whole, I'm uh, very high on it. I haven't read the article yet. But there was an article on The Athletic about Georgia, about how Georgia only has one sack on the season, uh, but it doesn't mean their defense isn't playing well. And I was like, huh, 
that kind of makes me feel a little bit better about Ohio State not having a bunch of sacks because I think the game is just better. Quarterbacks are getting the ball out faster. Quarterbacks are more yeah. mobile. So, um, you know, sometimes your sacks are being turned into like one yard tackles or they're throwing the ball away. So it's not there's not so many statues, so it's not as easy to get sacks. Uh, and if a team like Georgia with a million freaking first rounders isn't getting sacks it's like there's a there are other ways to tell that your defense is good and we have more sacks than them i mean we have like six or seven on the season so it's not like we haven't gotten any um so we got a couple turnovers and turnovers are a weird thing anyway uh i think the thing i've said before and the thing that i'm most excited about uh is that when teams get in the i mean i don't know i have to look at it but i think teams maybe have one red zone touchdown on us all year Maybe Notre Dame's, I believe, is the only one because like, nobody's getting red zone scramble was outside the red zone, and then the other two were just bombs of passes that just ended up in there. Did yeah, so, so when Denzel great. Burke got bodied, they didn't score. They scored on that play, right? Or would they yep. score after? I can't remember. No, they scored on that play. Okay, gotcha. So yeah, no, they absolutely have been stout and. Notre Dame scored a field goal in the red zone, and that's what gave them the lead. And from then on, they just didn't give up any more points. So uh, I think when I was looking at the stats, Ohio State is in the top ten in red zone scoring efficiency on both sides of the football, which is good. Number one in the country on offense, um, 100%. Every time I see shocking. They either came away with a touchdown or a field goal. So they're doing good there. But we're not talking about the offense here. Um, for me, the defense, I, I think where I wanted to start with the linebackers, and it's because that was the group I was most worried about. I don't think I was worried about the safeties. I don't think I w- was – I wasn't worried about the corners in the preseason. Uh, the linebackers are – and I think this is where I, I really gauge it. They're playing fast. They're playing confident. And they're the same exact players last year that were playing slow and indecisively. So when I'm grading this defense through three games, yes, they've given up some big plays. But foundationally, where Ohio State's at right now is better than any point that they've been in probably probably since Halfley. So yeah, uh, like this is not just yeah from a base standpoint. Like I don't think you can really complain at where they're at through three weeks, except maybe the corners. Yeah, and the thing that I would say is like, and we've said this before, you're going to have to get over the big plays thing. Like, Jim Knowles does not care about big plays. He He's already says he bakes it into the game plan. He knows that they're going to happen. And his big thing is like how it happened. Did it happen? Like, he cares about the big play of Denzel Burke because that was him just getting bodied or like, you know, just getting lost in coverage. Like, there are some that yeah. you just can't he cares have. about the Cam Brown one because like, it was a blown coverage. Like, yeah, like that kind of stuff you just – you don't want. But, like, sometimes you're going to get out athletes. Sometimes the offense is going to make a play. And other times you're going to miss a tackle. And, you know, it's not ideal, but, like, mistakes happen. So you don't kind of, you know, get too lost over those unless they happen all the time. So it's going to be a little bit different because it's not the way a typical defense looks at things. Like, typical defenses are top-down, limit big plays, that kind of stuff. But, like – the big plays aren't, especially the ones that aren't touchdowns, which haven't been a lot because we haven't given up a lot of points. They're not leading to touchdowns in the red zone. So yeah. 
it's not I, I I don't know I don't know that I want to go as far as say as it doesn't matter but if the defensive coordinator isn't concerned about it I would say it doesn't matter like if he literally bakes it into the game plan and he doesn't even look at it as a statistic for how he grades his defense as long as it's not like too many of them I don't think we yeah can really what he says five big plays a game it's like what he's willing to give up yeah. to like and I don't think he's given up five plays a game. Yeah, and that's the weight he's putting. He's like, hey, we'll give ourselves five chances to make big plays against them, and they'll have the opportunity to make the big play. But if what I'm calling this gamble I'm about to take where we bring seven guys and there's five people running routes, like if that seventh guy doesn't get there, that's on me. I called the play, and that's how he's been approaching it. Yeah, so I think, you know, we're fine. And also, I just in general, um, outside of Talua Tagovailoa, who is a good athlete, but is lesser of an athlete because Daquan Finn is just a pretty good athlete. I think and he's much Talua, bigger, too, Daquan. Yeah, was a better thrower. But outside of Talua Tagovailoa, who do we play that could do what Daquan did? Anybody else we play is getting sacked. <laughs> like, hey, like, hey, like, uh, don't discount my guy Graham like that. He, he was, Graham an no, I'm just kidding. Murdered. <laughs> if he yeah. tries to run out, run out the pocket like Daquan did. Peyton like, Thorne, you're telling me that guy? Peyton Thorne's not guy's... even getting out the pocket. Like, hey, hey, that's a modern day Lamar Jackson. No, I'm just kidding. Down. Peyton Thorne's uh, not even going to get out the pocket. So. Who else we got? Who's a, who's Indiana's quarterback? He's Jack Tuttle. Yeah, he's not getting away. No, it's Connor Bazelak. Oh, Connor Bazelak. Even worse. He's slower yeah. than Jack Tuttle. Yeah. No, uh, he's not. I mean, JJ, JJ's solid, but JJ. JJ is like he's a good athlete, JJ's, but he's not a great athlete. Like yeah, he's not. JJ's probably a little bit more of a runner than CJ is, but that's more out of necessity at this point. And it's really not like something that he's not going to do what Daquan Finn did, where he breaks a tackle, ducks between two rushing defenders, and then gets upfield and then outruns Ohio State's defense. Like no. that was just an incredible. Athletic display by Daquan Finn, and I, I might I'm going to be watching a lot more Toledo games because of what I saw from him. So, yeah, that's so. where I'm at with the defense. But yeah, overall, I think the defense good. We're going to talk a little bit more about it in our presser takeaways, but good place right now. I think I don't think you could be too mad about it. Uh, uh, next on the list, how are we feeling about the offense? Uh, I think. I'm feeling really good about the offense because there's two things that I've looked at that have given me a lot of confidence. Number one, CJ built a incredible relationship with all four of the main receivers in Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, Julian Fleming, and we already know the deal with Jackson Smith and Jigba. The passing game, and Kate Stover's even getting in there, and like he talked about that in his presser, but it's been electric and it's been exactly what we anticipated and you know there were some growing pains when it was just marvin and Emeka in the first two games but week three we saw it at relative full strength and that's with jackson smith and jacob being on a pitch count that's with julian fleming getting some spot duty really and they looked incredible that first half of offense was as perfect as you can get and that's from a passing standpoint from a running standpoint i think this is the best the run games look since J.K. Dobbins was in an Ohio State uniform. You've had versatile run plays. They're not just lining up and running outside zone, wide zone, or inside zone. They've mixed in some 
pulling guards. They've gotten people moving. They've got it into heavy sets. Uh, that is something I think we both really wanted to see coming into the season that we didn't see last year at all. So you take that into play. Uh, I think the offensive line's doing great. Paris Johnson Jr., unfortunately, is probably going to be a first-round pick now. Uh, Donovan Jackson's looking elite. Uh, Luke Whipler picked up exactly where he left off. Matt Jones, we knew exactly who he'd be. And then Dewan Jones, they're using him uh, in ways in the run game that fit him and his size well, and he's moving mountains. He's moving multiple players. He's washing people down. Like, this is what I wanted to see. This is what we wanted to see from Ryan Day. Now the real question is, will he be able to keep this confidence in getting this variety in the run game? and the pass game when they play a team that can fight back. Yeah, I, I mean, the team can do it, I think. It's just what Ryan Day call it, which you never know. You, you literally never know. Um, I Yeah, I, I don't really have anything to add. I think you kind of laid it all out there. Um, the three things that I was looking for going into the season, better run design, check. Better short yardage, check. Check. Um, and toughness, you know. Uh, we'll find out. What was, the third, what was the third one? I think toughness was shown a little bit in the Notre Dame game in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I think I can't even remember what I talked about going into this. Oh, 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 and how the young wide receivers progressed. Check. And so, uh, and the craziest thing about the running game is like it hasn't reached nowhere close to its full potential because Travion hasn't broken 80 yarder for a touchdown yet. Yeah, man. You know, we've, I mean, Dallin Hayden kind of did his best Travion impression, but uh, NTC Caffey did his best Crispy New Wells impression. That was awesome. But Mayan Williams has kind of been the workhorse because Travion's been banged up early. So, you know, we'll keep, like, honestly, I don't want to, like, be, like, too big of a homer, but, you know, Travion Henderson not taking a beating through three games, really. And now we're, Kinda, he's kind of been resting a little bit the last two weeks because of his injuries. Like, if these injuries don't nag, you can have a really fresh Travion Henderson for the stretch run, and that's dangerous. Yeah, I also think it's like it doesn't seem like it, but I'm pretty sure Travion still leads the team in carries. So, like, we're saying that he's banged up and he's not playing in this kind of stuff. He still leads the team in carries and yards. Like, he's been there. It's just he didn't increase his lead because he didn't play much this last game. So, um, yeah. I'm, I'm not. He's still the go-to back against uh, – well, Mayan was the leading rusher after the Notre Dame game. So, maybe did Travion get it back after that? Uh, I'm pretty sure Travion had still had more rushing yards in that game. Okay, yeah. I mean, I could have had recency bias. It was, it was close. It was, like nine, it was like 86 to 78 or something like that. Tra- yeah, Travion had more rushing yards in that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, well, it's just, it's just been quiet up. because it's just been quiet because it, it hasn't been the 80 yarders. But if you think about it, like Travion's yeah. been busting 30 yarders where Mayan's been busting 15 because of just the difference in the players and things like that. Yeah. Uh, it's just got- been quiet. 10 more right now, 10 more yards with three more attempts. But Travion has three touchdowns. And you're right, 41-yard long for Henderson, 25 for Mayan. So it is playing out kind of like we saw it. It's just Travion would have had more carries against Toledo had he not been a little banged up. 
So I, it, up until the Toledo game, he had more yards. And I still thought he had more yards, but I guess he got, mm-hmm. you know, down by 10, which is literally nothing. So, yeah, he can make that up with one carry this week. So, uh, yeah, uh, concerns heading into conference play. Uh, I would honestly just say general health of the team is my main concern. I think at key positions, you've had Jackson Smith and Jigbo with a soft tissue injury. You had Julian Fleming with his kind of wide range of injuries uh, defensively for healthy scholarship corners. And that's like with air quotes around it because it doesn't feel like any of them are fully healthy. So um, that's not great. But every other position group, I think they held out Josh Proctor. They held out. Tanner McAllister, like it just seems like there's injuries kind of all over the place, little ones, big ones. Um, and I, I think that would be legitimately my only concern at this point heading into conference play. I think everything else has kind of figured itself out. Uh, and then the corner play would be the other concern. But I think we've been – we've got into the corner play quite a bit. I don't think we need to keep beating that drum. I think Jim Knowles has said they're working on it. Jim Knowles says he has confidence in the guys. We got to trust them. And if it doesn't improve, we'll keep talking about it. But at the checkpoint, I don't think it's something we need to keep diving into. Yeah. The the concerns that I have are for when we play Georgia in the national championship. I don't think there's a Big Ten team that's going to beat us. So I I just, it's one of those years. Like it is what it is. CJ Stroud's going to win the Heisman. Like it's going to go crazy. The defense is good. Uh, The Big Ten also sucks this year. And uh, I. Michigan very well could be 11-0 going into that game, but I'm not sure that Michigan is a good team. They're not a bad team, but I think they're a Michigan team from two years ago, which means they're going to go 11-2, and lose to Ohio State, lose the bowl game. Yeah, I I honestly I don't think they're going to win 11 games this year. I think they're going to be 9-3 and three and have a chance to win 10 in the bowl game. And it'll be a lesser opponent, but they'll probably still lose. Yeah. That's my prediction. I, I think Penn State could beat them this year. I think, I think there's an upset waiting to happen, and I just don't think Michigan's – They're going to lose it. They're going to lose a game because J.J. is going to lose a game by throwing interceptions because he's young and he's aggressive. And that's the problem and why it took so long for them to um, make him the starter, even though he's the more talented one, is because his game management and that kind of stuff. But they could go 11-0 and because they should. I think there's a pretty – decent gap um, between a lot of them. Penn State could beat them if Penn State can run the ball against a team with the pulse. And no, Auburn is not a team with the pulse. Um, thanks for asking. Coming, dude. But, uh, uh, because Penn State can do the Notre Dame thing where they just hold the ball, run, you know, Sean Clifford. If you only throw, if Sean Clifford only throws the ball 10 times, he's probably going to be pretty decent. It's, it's when he throws 30 that it's like, all right, what are we doing here? So, um, yeah, I don't think they, there's no, if they lose the Michigan state fire hard, hardball, they're not going to. And I'm, I'm actually kind of joking, but I, Michigan's better than Washington, and Washington hey. obliterated Michigan State. And Michigan, hey, Michigan State's bad on the road, so I I can't remember where that game's at. I think it's at Michigan this year. So yeah, no, they'll probably obliterate Michigan State. But what's the stat? Jim Harbaugh hasn't beat like Ohio State and Michigan State in the same year or something. So hopefully Michigan beats Michigan State. 
Yeah, I mean they're not they handle too much success. They're not beating us no matter what. They can't do it. Can't I mean, do it. we would. Like, I'm not. I'm not trying to be overconfident. I, I, you know, there's a borderline with some of that kind of stuff. But aside the fact that this is a genuinely good team, Michigan lost a lot of important players, and that doesn't matter when you're playing UConn. But that matters when you're playing Ohio State. And yeah. so, I don't think there's a single person on their defense that can stop Ohio State. So, if the defense is what it looks like, how do they beat us? Yeah, it's a real question. I think I, I'm really excited to see them play a real team because that's when we'll really know. So um, I right now I don't see a way. I mean, UConn, I mean, I've talked about it in like a lot. Like they don't have a team on their schedule that's ranked in the top 120 right now out of 131 teams. So that's where they're at. Um, back to Ohio State, one player of the year, both sides of the ball. Uh, I hope we don't have the same ones. Uh, on Go offense, the player, offense, the player of the year is Mike Hall, and on defense, the player of the year is Mike Hall. So I respect it. I respect Same it. Guy. I, I've got Marvin Harrison Jr. on offense. Not be I could the easy answer Stroud. I don't think that's a question. I just wanted to give some player credit because someone else is going to get all the credit at the end of the year. So Marvin Harrison Jr. He came up big against against uh, Notre Dame. Had two big games back to back. Uh, and then defensively, since you went my call, I'm going to go with Tommy E, Tommy Train. We're uh, way past the station now. He's going to yeah. win the Bronco Nagurski Award or whatever that linebacker yeah. award, award I is. Mean, so at, at this point, it's about to go off the tracks. And he's not going to win that award because I think Will Anderson is technically considered a linebacker, even yeah, though he it, should be a DA. Tommy's better. Oh, whoa. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm riding homerism at its finest. I'm riding. I, I, I listen. I am the the hey, captain. Where the was Will Anderson team. against Texas? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, Ooh, did Will say, Anderson actually break uh, Quinn Ewers? That might have been where he was at. Yeah. No. 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 That was their other guy, Dalton. Yeah. Dallas. Was, yeah. Dallas. Whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I will say, if I had to pick a guy on offense, I would probably go Omega Egbuka. And this is not to be different. It's just that, like, first of all, I'm pretty sure he's leading the lead. He's leading in recent uh, yards. But also, uh, the touchdowns are great. And Marvin, oh no, Marvin Harrison did take it over him in yards. So I guess it doesn't make sense. I was just going to lean Egbuka uh, because. Um, He's we don't win, Notre, we don't win the Notre game, the game, Notre Dame game without him. Marvin Harrison Jr. had like a spectacular one game, and he's been consistent for like two of them, and that's fine. But Edmega Ibuka has ninety yards in one game, one hundred eighteen in the other, and then a hundred and something in the other one. I think he's had a touchdown in all three games. Um, how many touchdowns? Yeah, he's had a touchdown in all three games. Uh, he's been consistent, and we don't win. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. did nothing again. Against Notre Dame. So if we're considering the sample, uh, doing something against Notre Dame versus having four touchdowns against Arkansas State, I'm I'm riding with a, a Mecca. That's not going to last the whole season uh, because it's either going to be JSN or Marvin Harrison Jr. If I feel like, like 
Um, I'll be honest. I still think JSN leads the team in receiving yards. Oh, no, I, I actually, I absolutely do. But I think what, uh, I think Emeka provides something where it's. He, so, like, it's honestly, almost, to look at it, he kind of reminds me of, like, that reliability that Garrett Wilson brought, where it's, like, not. I was just going to say that. It's just, like, necessarily, like, always flashy, but he's always there. And, like, you, you know, something, they didn't know Chris Olave does it a little differently where he kind of does the Chris Olave thing where it's like, wow, he scored another touchdown. Wow. He just made another spectacular catch. Wow. He's open again. Uh, but Emeka just is always there, always catching the football, always getting yards. And then obviously JSN still chasing. So yeah, but like when, you need, fire when you has need something, members. when you need something on third down, a lot of times it goes to Emeka. And I mean, and now, it's it, like, even now, like, you know, they're probably good at Jason, but like Emeka is he he has something, and then also like when you need a big play, a lot of times it's going to go to Emeka because this is going to sound weird because JSN can get open on any play, but you can do more design wise with Emeka because again to the Garrett Wilson thing, you can run him on jet sweeps and like that kind of stuff. Where like I, JSN, I'm not sure that he's doing that particular. This is not. Uh, a negative. This is not a, a mech is better than JSN. Any of that kind of stuff. He's just a little bit faster. He's a little bit more sturdy. Uh, he's a little bit bigger. And so he has a little bit uh, uh, better short area quickness. So And some of those jet sweeps and things like that, uh, you go to him on that. So yeah. I think he is... Yeah, fills that Garrett Wilson, Mr. Reliable. He needs something. Uh, just find him and you'll get it. Uh, all right. Um, that's our I'm season just, checkpoint. Before, think, we, yeah. before we go on, I just have one thing to say. I'm just sad that, uh, you know, JSN's not going to break the record because he missed three games, essentially. We can't even fully without confidence say he's not going to break the record because he's still got 12 games to go. Yeah. Not to be I mean, superhuman, but I'm not counting him out. Uh, all right, Wisconsin report. Let's get started. Uh, we'll get we'll go through kind of the recent series history, and then we'll get into the same old Wisconsin on the second half after the break. Uh, so Ohio State's won the last eight games. Uh, they've seen them much more than some other teams in the West because of the conference championships. Wisconsin's obviously been the most consistent team on that side. I've seen three Big Ten Conference Championship games in person, and two of them were Wisconsin. So to put that in perspective, like that, that's a lot of times you've played them. And one year I got to see Ohio State play Wisconsin twice. So they played Wisconsin a lot. And the last one was in 2010. Brett Bielema was there. Uh, he's now the coach at Illinois, and he's had a lot of stops since then. So road, well-traveled. Um, yeah, in 2010, uh, I'm pretty sure Melvin Gordon was on the team. I'm pretty sure Russell Wilson was on the team. It was a it was a different type of Wisconsin back then. Brett had them running. Brett had them churning. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they still won on like a last second play. Yeah, close that to was it. what like, that was the end of trusting too. And it was like, bro, who is this guy? And then he goes on to have a pretty solid NFL career, and you're like, oh, maybe he was just good. Yeah, so. Uh, that's how long ago it was because it feels like, oh, Nick Toon, that guy was there. That was real. You know, um, Shoot, was Jared, Jared, there? <laughs> Jared Abaderis, 
what there was definitely a Watt there. I don't know if JJ was, but there was definitely a Watt on the team. Uh, man, there was actually some names that I remember. Like this was like a really good era for Wisconsin football when they did this. Obviously, beating Ohio State is an incredibly successful uh, performance. Uh, I remember Blake Sorensen. Uh, I'm trying to figure out who their quarterback. Oh, Nate Tice. That was a guy. He does some stuff now in the media. Uh, but this is really a long. Oh, Scott Tolzien. Uh, he was there also. Uh, yeah, I remember that, means him. Was there. that was the rush year. Uh, no, this was the year after Russ, actually. We lost wow, to Nate a, Tice. I don't no, think we, lost, we lost to Scott Tolzien. That's who we lost to. Former Packers backup. Uh, we didn't lose the rush year? No, no. Doesn't look like it. So uh, I'm trying to find Melvin Gordon. Did we even lose? No, it was Monty Ball. That's who it was. I knew it was one of the big guys. So it was Monty Ball. Uh, that was the last time. So that means ever since then, they've had Melvin Gordon. They've had Jonathan Taylor. And these guys have all been really good running backs. And they just still have not beaten Ohio State. Uh, looking at it, uh, Wisconsin, you know, it sucks for them because they've had a lot of successful football teams. They've been really close to making the college football playoff a few times. And every time they've even had the slightest chance to get in there, they've been just absolutely buzzsawed by Ohio State. Like, I I think really when this, like, it shifted from, like, oh, yeah, Wisconsin's, like, this competitive team Ohio State's playing with, and then Ohio State's talent was just on a different level and, like, Wisconsin had to do some creative things to keep up with Ohio State, was 2014 when Ohio State was, like, Oh yeah, we're, we need to make the playoff. We're just going to out athlete you. We're going to out physical you. This is where Coach Mick comes into play. Like, oh, you've got the big Wisconsin boys. Yeah, we got we got players too. And you guys need to meet Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, and fifty nine to zero happened. And since then, I don't think Ohio State fans have necessarily taken Wisconsin seriously. Yeah, Brett Bilova had them humming. Uh, I mean, they've had some great running backs. They've had some great linebackers and all that. But I really think this like this shift between Ohio State fans and Wisconsin fans really changed in 2014 when Ohio State 59-0'd them in the Big Ten Championship. And, you know, Wisconsin, they have their big offensive linemen. They have their big defensive linemen. They're not a very fast east-to-west team. And Ohio State's athleticism in 2014 really – just took on a shape of its own because Ohio State is a physical football team. They're built on physicality, and then they just have the speed and skill that's just different. And from then on, it was really, all right, most people see Wisconsin on the schedule, and if it's at home they're, or in Indianapolis, it's just, all right, there's a win there. And that, that to me is interesting because Wisconsin's a pretty good team. But I think with most Big Ten West teams, unless you're playing there, uh, they just don't have the same talent as the top end Big Ten East teams. Well, the one thing about Wisconsin is unlike some of the other teams, they can never surprise you. Like Iowa can occasionally surprise you because you go in and like this offense sucks, that kind of this, that. And like Wisconsin is always a big game. Um, And so like where we've had some upsets against some of the other ones, Purdue, you know, Iowa. You're never getting that with Wisconsin. I think there's too much respect there. And I think a part of it is honestly just the fact that 
Wisconsin hasn't beat some of our bad teams. Wisconsin hasn't beat us when they dominated us for a half multiple times. Wisconsin couldn't stop us, you know, when they were up with uh, less than two minutes left in the fourth quarter and we get an interception because they go for it on fourth down and score and whichever year that was like. So it's one of those things where no matter the iteration of the team that we brought in, they haven't been able to beat us. And something I wanted to get into, they're getting worse. Uh, which is an absolute fact that they're getting worse. Their recruiting's getting worse. Their coach is getting worse. Their quarterbacks are getting worse. Their offensive line is getting worse. And their defense is getting worse outside of linebackers, which is not as good this year, but their linebackers are always amazing. I mean, I mean, even two years ago and two years ago and half of last year, they didn't even have a good running back. So it's like yeah. – and it took and a lot to get to Braylon Allen. Because, stud, they were going to find one eventually. But it's just not the factory. It's just not the thing that it has been previously. And when your best teams couldn't beat some of our not best teams, uh, it doesn't really bode well when we now have 17 five-star wide receivers, the best quarterback we've ever had in school history, uh, a running back who, I mean – some of those years are running backs challenged, right? But, like, you know, you could say that Zeke challenged Jonathan Taylor. I think they were there at the same time or relatively uh, soon. Jonathan was there at the same time as J.K. Yeah, uh, J.K. didn't challenge Jonathan Taylor. Who was there with Zeke? Uh, Zeke was probably Melvin Gordon. Yeah, you could say, like, Zeke challenged Melvin Gordon for the best running back in the Big Ten. You could say, like, some of those guys. But, like, for the most part, they've had a better running back than us. I think that's fair. I think that's showcased in their NFL careers as well. But this year, you can't entirely say, like, they're different running backs, but you can't even say that they have a better running back than us. And if you can't say that entirely with your full chest, and then what position are they better? They don't have a better offensive line. They sometimes they do, but they don't have a better offensive line. They don't have a better quarterback. Don't have a better running back. Don't have a better wide receiver. I mean, they might not even have better linebackers this year, which is like disgusting to say. Um, so yeah, I, I think like 2014 was definitely something special uh, that that happened with a third string quarterback. But since 2014, we've been on the up, and they have been stagnant. Stagnant. And so that's the worst thing you be in college football. Yeah. And then they got worse. I mean, I'll say it forever. We got an offensive lineman that they wanted out of Wisconsin. Does that happen with Brett Bielema there? Absolutely no. not. I mean, even chance. even not even just Brett Bielema with the guy with Paul Chris. Does that happen in 2014? No. no. There's absolutely no way we get a four star top 150 or 100. I don't remember exactly what he was lineman out of Wisconsin to come to Ohio State. Yeah, and I will say the one thing about Jim Leonard is Jim Leonard only recruits Jim Leonard's. He doesn't recruit, like, I am defensive talent. So, I, I'm with you. I think we got to give him a quick break and we get into their offensive defense once we get back from that. So, we'll see you guys after these ads. Welcome back in, everybody. This is your host, Chris Perenni, joined by Jordan Williams, as always. We're getting into Wisconsin. Uh, two and one, the wins against Illinois State and New Mexico State. Very Michigan like there. And then the one team with the full state play they lost to. And it was turnovers and the inability to move the ball on offense that really did them in. Uh, so you want to get started with the offensive defense here, because I, I think I think the offense will probably be 
a little bit longer of a conversation because I really don't know what we could really get into defensively that not everyone already knows. Yeah, we can do defense. Get it, just knock it out the way. Yeah, let's knock it out. All right, so they're still running a traditional 3-4. Uh, they have really big defensive linemen. Uh, and they're slow. They're not a fast defense. Uh, so if you create running lanes, we saw it with Washington State. Washington State is a uh, run-and-shoot team. That's what their former coach Nick Rolovich did. That's what Jake Dickert's kind of trying to do not only build off of, but kind of even get away from by getting a little bit more involved in the running game. But Washington State's line is not Ohio State's line, and they were moving Wisconsin around and creating running lanes and getting up to the second level. And that is not good for Wisconsin's trajectory this season. If Washington State, a team with like an average line size of 285, is moving you around. Yeah, and I mean, so maybe not anyone can do this, but I know through certain areas you could because we're sickos. Name one player on their defense that's not Nick Herbog. I I really like I couldn't, and I, it's mostly because they're I don't, starting linebackers. Yeah, they've got I mean, Nick Herbog. Uh, Keanu Benton, I have it here in my notes, not because I actually knew him, but I, I remember he, he he didn't he didn't really pop at all, but he's a really big dude. Uh, he's their nose tackle. He's a traditional one technique, three four nose. So personnel wise, he fits what they want to do. But like we saw this, we saw this matchup, and I, I have us. We've got a little bit of a segment later, but we've already seen this matchup, and we saw how it went. And Ohio State can lean on big defense lines. You're not scared yeah. to. Do you have your athlon up? Or like yeah, within I do. Reach? Can yeah, you go to it, it and see if there's anyone on the Wisconsin team that's projected to uh, be all Big Ten? Let's find out. That's me flipping pages. Flipping pages. Flipping pages. Oh, damn, this thing's big. Uh, let's see. Big Ten... They've got Joe Tipman on the defensive line projected to go second team on, or offense line. Oh, we'll get there. Sorry, I was reading the wrong side. I just saw Wisconsin and got excited. All right, Wisconsin. They've got Nick Herbig, first team. Keanu Benin, first team defense. And those are the two players I, I named. So uh, the two known commodities were projected first team by Athlon, and that seems to be the way Athlon does it. If you're a known commodity, you're a first teamer. And, and I don't then, think Keanu's not getting it because Mike Hall exists and he's not having that great of a year. Uh, there's yeah. another team that's having that's uh, there's another outside? good lineman that's having. So outside, I can't remember which one it is. Outside of those two, there's not another Wisconsin player in their defensive teams. So what about offense, you can say offense. <laughs> they have one offensive lineman uh, in. Uh, what's his name? I just had it. I just had it. Joe Tipman. He's an offensive lineman. He's a second team offensive guy. Uh, they have Braylon Allen as their first team running back. That's not going to happen. I, I mean, I still like preseason. I think that's still fair. But and then they have Tyler Beach uh, as an offensive Ooh. lineman on the third team. So they've got uh, three guys. Is that their center? Uh, uh, he's a he's. It just says oh well, so not a center. Luke Buckler okay. is actually the third team center. So. Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, overall, it's not, not a Wisconsin. That is, that I mean, I don't have Athlon from two, three, four, five years ago, but I can tell you two players on first team 
is is not a is not a Wisconsin offense. It's not a Wisconsin team you expect to see. Um, I mean, uh, he, they don't even have a lot of offensive linemen, second and third, and an offensive line is one of those things where, like, are you really going to get that? Like, I mean, you can project that, but the the overall point, because it's a magazine and people don't know every roster and that kind of stuff, going into the season, and even so much now, this is not the Wisconsin roster or team or players that we're used to, even though they're running all of the same stuff with all of the same coaches. Yeah, it, it, it's a little less talented, which I we talked about a pre-show. They kind of got hurt by like the super senior rule, so a lot of guys didn't get that experience. That usually helps them develop into an all-conference team. And that's where I think Minnesota's in a very good position because they actually didn't care about that as much, and they were like, hey, we've got guys who are staying extra years, and I think Wisconsin played it wrong. But uh, to move a little bit, their secondaries. All right. Uh, I'd say that's their strength this year is their secondary. They're disciplined. They're well coached. But uh, on top of that, they didn't have any returning starters in the secondary. This is going to be the first true, true test. Like, don't get me wrong. I like Washington State, but they had a new coach who's never been a head coach. They have a new quarterback who's never played at the FBS level. And they had a new, uh, like, running backs who played in the basically an air raid offense, like chipping up yards. What does that translate to when they play Ohio State and you've got Marvin Harrison, you've got Jackson Smith and Jigba, you've got Julian Fleming? I don't know. It's hard to use the transitive property sometimes. I think Wisconsin will be a little bit more prepared for Ohio State because they've seen them before. But you have that inexperience on the back end. It's not great. And the one weird thing, this is just from my film preview, they, they line their safety up at like 20 yards like downfield and he comes forward yeah that's that's a little dangerous if ryan day's in his bag that's a little dangerous that's something to watch yeah that's a good way to uh well first of all because cj Stroud can throw all over the field that's a good way to get hitched and out to death like yeah just 15 yard chunk plays on like 15 yard outs outs you think ouch 15 yard outs hitches and like little like uh tight end routes over the middle of the field that's an easy way for to just move the field move the ball down the field at will um but also you don't want to go you don't want to step up against this defense that's a good way to have somebody uh running past especially with jack smith back but i think it's interesting uh, they do. They are not scared to run a variety of coverages. So CJ is going to have to be on his best. But when you're so that works when you're experienced, you can disguise things, you can hide things. When you're inexperienced and you want to run a lot of coverages, you're going to be keying there. Like those keys that CJ Stroud picks up on so well are going to be wide open. He's going to know how to attack every single section of this defense because if I'm picking it up quickly in film and I'm I'm not near like. When you talk about where CJ's at, about to be an NFL quarterback, playing in Ryan Day's offense, and where I'm at, and I'm picking him up, what do you think that's going to mean for CJ? Yeah, not to mention the team of analysts that are breaking down the film and giving you third downs, first downs, all that other kind of stuff, the GAs, all that kind of stuff that are helping on top of his just natural acumen and having one of the best offensive minds in college football. Uh, It's it's not great. 
and I, Jim Leonard, I think he's a great coach, and I think Absolutely. he does the best with what he's working with. But at times, there's just some things where, like, you can't over teach because you don't want them to get lost and then have something bad happen that way. So you have to keep it simple. And by keeping it simple, that means a quarterback like CJ Stroud's going to be able to see everything before it happens. Yeah. I mean, Jim, Jim Leonard is uh, still a very good coach. Um, the biggest thing this, I mean, I think we lose the game. We win the game. Absolutely. No matter what, but how comfortable this game is 100% going to be on the offensive line. Yeah. And it's going to be on the offensive line because it's going to be, can they protect CJ Stroud with the three, four and the stunts and the blitzes and the things that they're going to bring. Cause Does they can Jim make likes to bring it um, for CJ Stroud. Um, and can they run the ball? Cause I mean, yes, we can win this game. If CJ Stroud throws the ball 50 times for 500 yards, but if he's taking, if he throws the ball 50 times for 500 yards, but he has five sacks and, you know, we run the ball for 3.2 yards per carry, like, and that doesn't really bode well for the future against, a, you know, a defense like Georgia. So um, I think we win no matter what, but there are still things that you want to see in this game. And Wisconsin can make this game tough. Like, is this going to be uh, a game, not the final score, but is this going to be a game where we jump out on them like the 56 to 0 game? Or is this going to be like, Two years ago, I think it was when they were up like twenty-one to seven at half, and then we outscored them by twenty points. But they were kicking our ass. Like, you know, uh, there's things that you can you can take even in a win. And so I think that yeah. this game is going to show a lot about the team. Even though I, I just don't see a realistic way we can lose this game unless everyone gets injured. I think Kyle McCord could lose this game because as we transition to the offense, Graham Mertz is garbage. Yeah, he's, just, he's bad. Uh, uh, I, I see I, two interceptions off of him this this week. So, I will say to finish up the conversation on the defense, I want I would love to see Ohio State come out and be like, "Hey, I know we could out finesse you. I know we could get creative and get some big plays with our receivers." But no, we are going to hand the ball to Mayan Williams fifteen times and do what you do better than you do, and we're just going to bully you in the first drive. And that would that would make my heart sing. That would make Woody Hayes his heart sing in the grave. Like I swear to God, that's how I would come out if I was a coach. I would be like, I'd put it on the table and say, "Hey, I'm stronger than you. I'm tougher than you. I'm faster than you. I know that, but I'm still going to beat you. I'm gonna beat you up." That's what I would yeah. like to see. Personally, that's, that's kind of what they did against Toledo, but that's what you expect against Toledo. Yeah. Personally, I don't care about any of that. I just want to see us get into eye formation uh, and short yardage and in the red zone and bully them. Yeah. We can come out with no running backs for 75% of the game, but when it's third and two or when it's uh, first and goal from the five, I want to be able to pull out eye formation, put Mitch Rossi in the game. They have their three, four, and we still get those yards. Yeah. Honestly, Mitch Rossi lining up as a true fullback makes like my heart flutter a little bit as like a, as like a football guy. Yeah, I mean, come can't, on. Can't, doesn't get much better. I, I know we joked because we're like, he does that H-back thing and he's basically a fullback, but they did it. They actually just made him a fullback. That's going to get him drafted in the seventh round by, like, the uh, by like the Steelers. No, I Steelers feel like, have a fullback, but, like, but, like, the Dolphins, Steelers, 49ers, one of those teams that still use a fullback, they're going to be like, oh, this guy can do everything. Like, will be in, hey, we'll, 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 we'll be in an NFL camp for sure. Yeah. If he could run down on kickoffs, he could get on a roster. 
Cade uh, Stover, yeah, I mean, he's honestly, and this is like totally a tangent, but I think Cade Stover is the perfect modern guy for like NFL teams just because he's a crazy dude. He does it all. He, he's played defense before. He does special teams. He could do that H-back stuff that NFL teams love now from their tight end. So uh, I think Mitch Rossi and Cade Stover are both NFL players. Which is crazy to say about Mitch Ross. Last like year, more, I wouldn't have said that. They, yeah, the more that they show on him and the more flexibility and uh, variability and things that he can do, it's like, all right, someone's going to give him a chance because, you know. It, honestly, it was I, – I know he fumbled that one time after – well, he, I, was it a fumble? No, he hit the ground and then the ball flew out. No, he got – he was running and then he got – whacked and then the ball flew out but he was honestly looking pretty fleet of foot there uh all right let's get let's get into wisconsin's offense before we get too deep in our fullback wormhole here um because we're going to talk about what wisconsin does um i um in my film review or preview i looked very much in detail into what they do and it is very simple they are wisconsin football they like to throw to tight ends. They like to take shots downfield. They like to get wide receivers isolated in man coverage and throw it to one receiver. They they are one of the only college football teams I know who still do one route like pass plays that aren't RPOs. That's that disgusting. Is, that's insano mode, honestly. Like they're trying to win they're trying to win games on hard mode for no reason. But Let's get started with Graham Mertz. I think that's a great place to start. So Ryan Day himself called him a great quarterback. And I am all for respecting opponents. And I know Ryan Day has to do this. And this is how good of a recruiter Ryan Day is. Ryan Day really wanted Graham Mertz in 2019, right? And Mertz was a highly touted quarterback. And to be honest, when you look at the recruiting profile, you look at his higher weight, you look at how he plays football, the level he played at, the Elite 11 stuff, he is exactly Ryan Day's type. And we've talked about that before on this show. Uh, Ryan Day was really, like, he like he's recruiting so hard. He's talking up a player he lost in 2019 as they were playing. He's like, hey, I might lose you, but I'll always respect you if you – go somewhere else that's that's some 3d chess that is like hey i love my quarterbacks even if i don't get them yeah and under ryan day uh merch probably would have been pretty good he wouldn't be cj but you're right he'd already be in the nfl though but guess who ohio state went out and got in 2019 instead he was a transfer he was he was pretty good you know, much you know, much better. Yeah, he plays quarterback in the NFL now. His name's Justin Fields. So, would you rather have Justin Fields or Graham Mertz? I think most Ohio that's State a, fans are very happy with how that journey turned out. That's a tough one. Also, a quarterback choosing to go to Wisconsin over Ohio State, no matter who is there, that's, that's just that's bad decision making. <laughs> that's a big evaluation <clears throat> of quarterbacks. So. Uh, what what are we getting, Graham Mertz? So as a quarterback, he's got a good arm. He's got a live arm. That's what a lot of people say. Uh, he could throw to all three levels of the field. It's just he's incredibly inconsistent. And if you get like an ounce of pressure on him, he is gonna fall apart. 
Yeah, uh, not good in the pocket, not great awareness, not super accurate. Uh, but can arm occasionally, bit, which is gonna get, which is gonna create uh, cause him to make mistakes because he does have a good arm, like you said. But he's gonna be able to, he's gonna try to fit some balls in some places that he shouldn't, and it doesn't he's help that he doesn't have good wide receivers either. So he doesn't uh, have good wide receivers or like a passing attack that's really like. <laughs> Great for a quarterback with a skill set. No, I mean Graham Mertz is absolutely a candidate for like tra- for like the Michael Penix treatment, where he transfers to Washington or like a program with a pulse offensively, and he has yeah. a good year. Not not saying that he's like you know NFL caliber that kind of stuff, but it's like oh, that guy actually was pretty decent. Uh, yeah, when he, when he actually plays for a real offense. <laughs> yeah, like you give Graham Mertz, Kalen DeBoer, he's probably going to be dishing it out a little bit, but. I think we've seen what Graham Mertz's ceiling is at Wisconsin, and it's not good enough to beat Ohio State. No, it's very—he's very Sean Clifford-esque. Like he'll beat and be a very effective quarterback against bad teams. He'll be a decent quarterback against teams that are the same level. But if he's playing a better team and you really need to rely on him, he—he he, he disappears. Second half of the Washington State game disappeared. Needed a couple throws, didn't make them. Um, yeah, and that and that's the problem, right? Like, you can't lose to Washington State no matter what. But your quarterback, when things aren't going well and they stop the running game and things like that, your quarterback should be able to get you out of that. And the reason why they could Washington State could play him that way is because they didn't trust him. They didn't. Yeah. They played him. man Washington, coverage. Washington State doesn't think you're a good quarterback, and they think that they can they can play Load you the a box, way. Yeah. You, like Washington State should not feel confident enough with their DBs to put seven in the box regularly, and just no. say, "Hey, our four DBs are going to stop your receivers and tight end." Like that's what they did. They did it effectively, and. I, I think we saw what Lathan Ransom did to Michael Mayer. We saw what, like, I, I trust Josh Proctor against Wisconsin's tight ends. Like, I don't think, I think this is honestly a really good game for Denzel Burt to get his confidence back. Yeah, because if, <laughs> if, if he Wisconsin can't guard these guys, are getting behind Denzel, we, we need we, to have a conversation. We're going to have some tougher conversations. Uh, do you I'm think not sure that I'm not sure that Jim Knowles is going to be going into the locker room and into the press conference talking about he still believes in them? So, yeah. Um, all right. So, I know you had a stat. This is very Braylon Allen or bust in big thoughts. Uh, I can't remember if it was your first big thoughts of the year or your second one when he didn't have 100 yards in a game. But every time he has 100 yards, Wisconsin wins. Was that was that what it is? And every time he doesn't, they lose. Yes, and the first game that he didn't have 100 yards that they won was this weekend, and he had, like, three touchdowns. Like, literally the first time in his career that they did not – that he didn't run for 100 yards in Wisconsin won was this past game. And, again, three he had, like, three touchdowns. So it's like – And that's not saying they will win if he has 100 yards. It's just they haven't won if he doesn't get there. Yes. Until this last week. Yep. That's insane. Uh, Braylon Allen's good. I like him a lot. 
Uh, you can't talk about Braylon Allen without Wisconsin's offensive line. We mentioned they have a second-team all-conference guy. They have a third-team all-conference guy. It's a Wisconsin offensive line in, like, its early stages. Like, not very old, a bunch of juniors. Next year, their offensive line should be really good. I doubt it. But they've missed on some guys. They've missed on multiple five stars. Both like they got that five star Nolan Rucci or something like that out of Penn State, out of Pennsylvania that Penn State really wanted. And he's been Can you below imagine average. if they got Hinsman and him and one other guy. I don't know. Like they could be in a lot better of a place. But I, I don't know. We'll get. Like, there's not really much else to talk about with their offense either. Like this is Wisconsin. This is what they do. Uh, I got one last question. This is just to pose it. Would you rather have Jack Cohn or Graham Mertz? I'd rather have Graham Mertz because if you Graham Mertz actually has talent. So if you could design an offense, which Wisconsin can't, he could do it. Jack Cohn yeah. just doesn't have talent at all. So would you rather have Jack Cohn or not Jack Cohn? Would you rather have Graham Mertz or Scott Tulsi? Graham I feel like they're very similar. I feel like maybe Scott, because Scott's not going to get you into as much trouble. Like, Scott yeah. plays within himself better. He fits the Wisconsin offense de- better. Yeah, it also kind of depends on which. Yeah, that too. But it also really kind of depends on which era of the game you're talking about. If you're talking about today, I would take Graham because Wisconsin shouldn't be playing the offense they're playing in today's game, which is part of the Ohio problem. State. One game, life on it. Scott Tolzien or Graham Mertz. I'm taking Graham Mertz because, again, if you have a, a the ceiling, any, right? Yeah, if yeah. you have any sort of, you know, anything, any sort of like real smarts and design and wide receivers, he has the talent to yeah, be able to do some stuff. When he had Aaron Crookshank, we saw what he could do week one that one year where he went like 21 for 22. Like four touchdowns to start his career, and it's been downhill ever since. Yeah, so that's because Wisconsin ruined him. That's that's a spin zone there. Like he came in, you know, had a summer. Like that's it. And then, but uh, I mean, I could obviously ask you Russell Wilson or Grammers, but I don't think you need to do that. Uh, the real question is: Would you rather have Brett Bielema or Paul Christ? And the answer oh, is Brett Bielema, one hundred percent, because he's a mu- he's a much better coach. And as you see with Illinois, he still has his system, but he's evolving it. He's getting good offensive play. I mean, Illinois is freaking running. Uh, uh, wide receiver motions and stuff like that. Like he's yeah. actually evolving. And that is, that, you got to give Brett Bielema his respect. So, uh, all right. Uh, last thing, Ohio State's basically already played this game, uh, so they should be better the second time. Tyler Buckner is worse than Mertz, I think, but a better athlete. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, Michael Mayer, better tight end than what Wisconsin has, but they Wisconsin. Uh, I think, Mert, yeah, I said Mertz was a better quarterback. They have a worse quarterback at Notre Dame. Uh, bad running backs at Notre Dame, Braylon Allen. Uh, that's really it, but they both want, they'll both want to do the same exact thing to Ohio State. So I feel like Ohio State's already prepared for this game, pretty much got prepared for this game by playing Notre Dame. And 
Wisconsin hasn't played a team like Ohio State, so I think that's a major advantage that I don't think a lot of other people are talking about. Yeah, also, like, they lost to Washington State. <laughs> like, yeah, like, a good Wisconsin team is never losing to Washington State. Yeah, so I, I just think when you really start adding everything up, I don't know how the pace of play this game will be. Uh, I don't actually have the point spread pulled up. I think it was 16 and a half the last time I saw it. Uh, I think I saw some it moved to 18 and a half. So that's a three touchdown win that a lot of people are predicting. A 17 point win some places. Uh, that would, to me, indicate a slow pace of play. And if Ohio State gets out early, I don't think you could afford a slow pace of play, which like really much plays to Ohio State's benefit. And I, I think this could get ugly. And very similar to Michigan State last year, honestly. Um, Where it's just an avalanche. Yeah. That wouldn't, I mean, that wouldn't surprise me at all. If we're, if I mean, if we're just going to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, like ideally that is best case scenario, how this performance goes. Yeah. Worst case the- scenario, I think it's like, 31 to 10 instead of 21 to 10. Yeah, there. I mean, there are definitely years where Wisconsin scares you. I just don't think that this is one of those years for multiple yeah. reasons. And I would have said this if they came in 3-0, and but I keep saying it, but the loss to Washington State is something because Washington State's not a good team, and it's how they beat you. Yeah. They beat you with the confidence that you can't throw the ball, so we're going to load the box. I mean, they stopped one of the – I mean – I didn't really get into this, and I do want to clarify that I don't think Braylon Allen's a, a bad running back because I think some of the things that I've said could have like come across as that. Like when I said that he's not going to win first team all Big Ten and like that kind of stuff, he is an absolute stud. He is an amazing running back. Um, I mean, he's freaking 18 years old. He was doing it at 17. He's 6'2", 200-something pounds. Like, he's a stud. And Washington State was just like – you're not going to run the ball on us, and you can't pass, so, so it's game over. And they lo- loaded the box, and he had a terrible game. And if I'm sorry, if Washington Washington State can stop Braylon Allen, like, what are we doing here? Yeah, no, yeah, that's how I feel too. So once we get to our score predictions, I'll I'll lock one in. But I'm between that like 41 to 10, 31 to 10 type area right now, and I'll. Oh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, let's get into what our coaches and play and QB1 were saying this week. Uh, I, I didn't really have too much I wanted to get into. I kind of mixed a few things in throughout the show already. Uh, the one thing I didn't add, Jim Knowles said the defensive performance last week was not silver bullet worthy. Uh, like you said, no defensive player of the week. That means he's not playing around. Uh, well, let's get started with the head ball coach. Um Day says Stover, Scott, and Mitch Rossi all graded out as champions against Toledo. Uh, that's exciting to me. I think I think Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson heard the hate and said, hey, we've got some tight ends that we need to utilize a little bit. And I think Cade Stover, what, like CJ talked about it, has put a ton of work in in the offseason to get better. And he said last year, he's like, Cade was good in man-to-man. He just wasn't good against zone. Obviously, we know G. Scott's a great receiver. He needed to get bigger and start blocking. And then Mitch Rossi's just a dude who plays football and does what his job is well. So I think it's really good. It's a good sign for the health of that position room that all three graded out as champions. And I, I don't think we're going to see Cade Stover's receiving drop 
I think he's just getting open. CJ's progressing through his reads, and Kate Stover's making the plays when they're coming his way. And these aren't, like, bad plays. Like, he's wide open, like, oh, I don't know what to do with it. Like, he's making sideline catches. It's kind of it's kind of nuts. Cade Stover is off just talent, the least talented starting tight end that we've had, and he's going to be the best one, and that's crazy. Yeah, honestly, I tweeted it out during the game, like Cade Stover might be the best athlete in the world, and then Marvin Harrison went and did that catch where he got shoved out and still got two feet in, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Right. Maybe not. It's Marvin Maybe. Harrison Jr. Uh, yeah, yeah Marvin. I, I, disgusting and i don't even want to know how he how he is a human being <laughs> like yeah, he was built in a lab it, honestly i i'm not a dragon ball z guy in, in, by any means but i know i've seen it before and when like goku or vegeta's kind of in that tank just kind of like building up their bodies again that's where marvin harrison is between games like he's not practicing he's not doing anything he's just in a tank replenishing his strength as a Saiyan and that's where he is and then he goes super Saiyan every time they play a game that's my culture reference of the week (laughs) I understand I mean that 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 guy's different Uh, this is just different Uh, next on the list the challenge is competitive stamina and can we do it week in and week out I'll be the best quarterback we've seen it'll be the best running back we oh it'll be the Ryan Day could be the best quarterback we've seen. I read that wrong. It'll be the best quarterback we've seen. It'll be. The, I don't agree with that, actually, Ryan Day. I'm sorry. He's I know you recruited this guy. Uh, Daquan Finn was by far the best quarterback you've seen, and he's better than Graham Mertz in college. I don't know, like, NFL stuff, whatever. Graham, Daquan Finn throws from his shoulder like a shot put, but uh, there is not a more dynamic quarterback in the next, like, five – well, maybe Talia, but – Daquan is good. He's better than Graham Mertz. Uh, so it won't be the best quarterback we've seen, but it will be the best running back we've seen. Yeah, absolutely. And he didn't and, bring up any receivers or tight ends. So, uh, unless we, we play Mo Ibrahim in the championship game, which is a possibility, it's going to be the best running back we see all year. Because yeah. even if we play Georgia or Alabama, he's better than both of theirs. Yeah, I I don't know if he I would I I like Jameer Gibbs a lot so he's better than Jameer Gibbs and that's no shade to Jameer Gibbs I've watched both of them play Braylon Allen is a, a he's different I mean I, I will I won't go as far to say it's significant you know what I'm saying but, but I yeah. would say Alabama would be in a much better position if Braylon Allen was their starting running back Yeah I think yeah yeah you might be right it's hard it's hard to say because we don't know what Braylon Allen would be if he was playing in a competent offense and I wouldn't call Bama's offense competent right now but um yeah I think that's interesting but definitely the best running back we've seen I don't think there's any arguments there I couldn't name a Toledo running back after last week I couldn't name an Arkansas State running back besides the one that played at Ohio State and I couldn't name a Notre Dame well Chris Tyree I can name a Notre Dame running back but that's because I've watched them every week just be a disaster so uh yeah I I think competitive stamina that's a word Ryan Day uses a lot that should be the real takeaway here uh, I, I like that. I think I think it's definitely something a lot of coaches don't actually really talk about. They do talk about the grind and the week-to-week stuff, but how long can you do it in the first quarter? Can you keep maintain that same level of energy in the fourth quarter? And that's what he's talking about. And then can you do it on a week-to-week basis 
And I, I think this Ohio State team has that to them already through three games. I think the only game they've come out flat was Arkansas State, and I can't blame them. Yeah, I mean, this team definitely I, – I think, like, I mean, it doesn't necessarily suck because, like, one thing that we haven't got into that I tweeted about is, like, I'm happy for the expanded playoff because I think it's ridiculous. Like, college football is the only sport in the world where you're not allowed to lose a game. Um, so it sucks that we had to lose for this. But uh, everyone, like – it's impossible to keep the machine going. And so, like, sometimes you have to have some tough battles to, like, come out on the other side. And so I think I wish the loss wasn't to Michigan. Like, we could have just lost to Oregon and, like, kept it that way. Maybe got blown out in the playoffs and come back a better team. But, yeah. like, I think that there is a uh, some – things that are not being taken for granted and some other kind of stuff because of the year we had last year, which is nuts because we still went 11 and two. Yeah. So, I mean, it's true. And I think you, you see it this year. They like, even like the subtle things, like the players have said like, yeah, this year's going to be different. Like we put the work in, like, it's kind of, it's kind of scared me how intense these guys are being. So I have no worries about competitive stamina with this team. Like I, I, I think, they're less likely to I, I like honestly I don't even feel like a letdown game's really in the works. Like they would just have to be outplayed, outcompeted and like just out like just get beaten by a better team this year. That's how I feel at this point. Yeah. And I don't think that there's a unless Bama turns back into Bama, which is a possibility because Nick Satan is saving, I don't think there's a better team in the country than us than Georgia. Yeah, I agree. And uh, right now I've got George number one. We've got Ohio State two. I finally switched them after last week. It's just everything looks so hard for Alabama. I can't wait for the bye week when we get us kind of do our national recap. But it's it's just everything looks hard for them. Everything looks easy for Georgia. Everything's looked easy for Ohio State. Uh, Jim Knowles, he spoke to. Um, I he really, I thought two things were funny. Uh, one thing was something we've been preaching since, I don't know, since Ohio State really just kind of locked into that four-two-five and got rid of the Sam Backer. Uh, Jim Knowles on stopping the run in a four-two-five. I don't know why Ohio State media members keep asking about this. It's not the four-two-five. It's not. Uh, and Jim Knowles said the same thing. I only concern myself with production. I don't care about three down or four down or how it looks in my head. If you can create indecision with the offense line, you give your guys an advantage. In essence, you're playing offense on defense. Like, he really doesn't. It is a 4-2-5, uh, but he has that Jack slash Leo position where he moves them around, and it can turn into a 3-5 three, three in some ways with that and where the guy aligns. And at times, he could bring a safety down and make it more of a 4-3-4 look, which is the traditional look. Like the, when everyone thinks of a traditional defense, that's what it is. Uh, so it really is, in essence, a versatile defense. But it's a 4-2-5, and stopping the run isn't predicated on how you align. Wisconsin's well-known for stopping the run. They run a 3-4. Uh, other teams in the country, Jim Knowles' defense last year was number one in the country in stopping the run. They ran a 4-2-5. So uh, I'll let you take it from here because I know this is – very much an issue you've had with Ohio State fans for some time. 
Yeah, I mean, like Baylor was really good at stopping the run last year, and they run a three three five, and I absolutely hate that defense. I think it's terrible. Um, personally, as someone that's played in three three five. So it's like, I don't know how to keep saying this in different ways. So the one thing I'm going to say that I haven't said before is a 4-2 is six players in the box. And if you have five offensive linemen and one tight end, you have six players in the box. If you don't have a tight end, you have six on five. If you do have a tight end, especially in Jim Knowles defense, you're typically going to bring a safety down. So it's still seven on seven. Like if you just want to talk about like the pure numbers and things like that. Um, And at the end of the day, how you align doesn't matter for stopping the run because there's not that many gaps, right? Like, and realistically, there are three to four gaps that matter on a run play. It is the three gaps on the front side, A, B, and C, and not letting someone get outside. And it's the gap on the backside, not letting them cut back. Uh, And you can do that with four people. You don't need six. Um, The reason why you need more than, you know, the thing is because sometimes players get blocked, this, that, and the third, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We don't have to keep doing this thing forever. But ultimately, stopping the run is about want to. It is about desire. It is about um, it is about technique. It's about, you know, you teaching your players how to stop, how to get off blocks and things like that. And more than absolutely anything else, it's really about toughness. Like there are some scheme things. There are some that kind of stuff. But a lot of it is really toughness, because if you're tough, if you're fast, you're going to be in the right spot. And then you just have to know how to tackle. And you can do that in a three, four and a four and a four two five and a four three and a three three five and a two four whatever like you can do that in any alignment um that's why there are different gaps in different places to place the defensive linemen and defensive tackles and linebackers you can blitz you cannot blitz i mean stopping the run ultimately at the end of the day is about want to and it's about technique and ohio state couldn't stop the run last year because their technique was dog shit and they didn't want to yeah 100%. And uh, Tommy, I, like, you can't make a tackle in the run game if you don't know where you're going. And surprise, surprise, Tommy Eichenberg knows where he's going this year. What does he do? He makes tackles makes in the run tackles. game. Like, still jammers, <laughs> makes tackles in the run game. I mean, still, knowing where he, run. still knowing where he's going. Is, is, and Cody knowing where he's going is a big thing because Cody didn't know where he was going at all last year. It's like. Yeah. And you can see, like, it's the same exact players as last year, and it's the same exact. Four two five, the same personnel package. Now they're just making the plays. So yeah, and I'm like, we can go on this forever, and I'm not going to. But there's a million ways to stop the run. Your linebackers can set the edge. Your defensive end can set the edge. You can do your safety can set the edge. Your safety can set the edge. You you can do what Jim Knowles does sometimes and loop your defensive tackles and have them set the edge. Like there is no one way to set the run. It's about technique knowing where you're supposed to be knowing how to tackle and ultimately wanting to do it because it sucks like it does it sucks taking on a block in the a gap or the b gap it really does it being double guards coming and, and all that kind of stuff it's not fun take them on. it's not but, but you gotta do it you want to do it or you don't want to do it and that's that's what it is and ohio state wants to do it and they're better coached and so they will be fine yeah. Uh, last thing on Jim Knowles because he didn't really get into much this week. Uh, besides calling them not silver bullet worthy, which we already talked about, uh, he was asked if Mike Hall will play on Saturday. 
And his response, that's what they tell me. That's above my pay grade. And I just love that from a coach. He just knows his role. Know your role. And do it the best you can. Yeah, we should at some point stop, you know, advertising other people's things. But if you have the athletic, read the story on my call. It's great. Yeah, it was a good story. Uh, CJ Stroud, uh, also not a lot this month. I thought it was funny. Uh, Stephen Means from Cleveland.com asked him about if he was throwing to Marvin Harrison on that scrambling play where Julian Fleming caught it. He responded, yeah. Uh, Stroud was asked about film tendencies and if you could watch like old film and like find things and yes you can there's a reason they have archival film and they look at stuff from Wisconsin from five years ago four years ago three years ago two years ago that's what analysts are paid to do uh, find tendencies from a coach and maximize like the film watching that they give CJ so he could learn it faster uh, and when Stroud said you can find tendencies in old defenses in order to have a better understanding of why certain plays may or may not work against Wisconsin and a team like that and when you're three games into the season, this is just like inside football one-on-one. Like you have to look at old film. You have to look at how they match up against you and how they match up against similar teams to you. Cause yes, Washington state runs 11 personnel. They do that type of stuff. They don't do it the same way. So you have to look at old film to kind of gain an understanding of how they're going to defend Ohio state. Yeah. Especially when the team hasn't changed, like the coaches and stuff like that. Like, it's really beneficial. Like, all right, bad, like, example, like, who's the new coach in the Big Ten? I can't – I don't know. Like, like if you're – like, okay, this is a good example. Lincoln Riley went to USC, but if you're playing USC, you could go back and look at Oklahoma film. Yeah, he's doing the same like, thing. You Especially can't look at Clay Helton film from last year. Yeah. Like, no. you, you can't go back and look at Clay Helton film from last year and be like, oh, yeah, I know USC. You don't. You know Georgia Southern now. And then, yeah, so it's like, um, I don't know why you didn't ask that question. But Yeah, but. I, I, sometimes, sometimes, I don't know. I don't know what these guys are doing, but <laughs> they, they, they try and they do the best they can. And you got to respect them for at least trying to work. Uh, and then this was my favorite thing from him uh, because this was just funny. On scrambling more as of late, and he didn't really, like, I don't know if he's scrambling more. Uh, he's getting out of the pocket and making throws downfield. But his response to that question was, whatever you are on film is who you are, at least in the football world. So, yes, every time, because he took one read option, that defensive end is going to have to respect it. And if that defensive end doesn't respect it, C.J. Stroud's going to pick up a first. Yeah. You are what you are. Uh, yeah, it was honestly a very uneventful week. Uh, I, I just like I felt like for a bigger game Wisconsin but like like I said like Wisconsin's a boring matchup because we've seen this movie time and time again yeah I mean and we've seen the movie time and time again and it's a worse Wisconsin team so yeah again. it's like a remake that's worse than the original movie which is a lot of them yeah uh all right, rapid fire news and notes here. Then we'll give our score predictions to get you guys out of here. Um, Keon Keeley's back in the stadium uh, this weekend. I think that's a big development. You know, Ohio State's competing against uh, Alabama. They had a really good defensive showing at that Notre Dame game. You want to have a good defensive showing when you've got a star player there, like Keon Keeley. Uh, it's a big recruiting weekend in general. 
uh, mostly with the 2024 and 2025 classes, but, you know, getting Keon Keeley back in the stadium, I think is exactly what you want. Uh, some, uh, I, I believe it was 11 Warriors recruiting writer spoke with Keon Keeley's mom about his, his visit last time and, Keon Keeley's mom loves Ohio State, so that's a good sign because if you're bringing your mom on the trip and your mom loves where you took the trip and your mom loves the coach that's recruiting you, like Larry Johnson, uh, that's three good check marks in regards to Ohio State picking up yeah. a commitment from Keon. And, and if, you, you, if you don't think you moms are important, that's how we lost that kid to UCF. <laughs> His mom yeah. wanted him to stay home. <laughs> it wasn't anything Absolutely. else. So... And he already showed he's willing to come up to the Midwest with a commitment. So think about that. Uh, we already talked about alternate uniforms, but just building out the recruiting. Recruits love alternate uniforms. You see all the pictures. They're in, they're all red. They're in the all white. They're in the gray uniforms from a few years back. They're in the black uniforms. And sometimes they're in the red, the classic home uniforms. But usually it's the alternate uniforms. They're fun. Kids love alternates. And that's why they're here. I mean, uh, what more can you say? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't got anything else there on that term. Uh, CJ Stroud still the odds-on Heisman favorite. 941 yards, 11 touchdowns, 72% completion percentage. Not leading the country in any of those categories, but very much in the top five in every passing category, and that's what matters. And he's done it. He's had a Heisman moment. The throw to the Xavier Johnson was a pretty – spectacular play you, you'll have on your early reel. Now it's just about getting a few more of those or just a few more just lights out performances. And this week's a huge opportunity. Uh, name game, Wisconsin's a big name. That's what voters look for because Heisman voting's a joke. Uh, how are you feeling about Stroud's chances of winning the Heisman after finding out Vegas has him still as the odds on favorite? I mean, I said I think I said this going into this season, and I said it now. I think he's guaranteed to win the Heisman, essentially, because there's not a quarterback in the country better than him. He would have had better stats than uh, Bryce Young last year if he wouldn't have missed the game because he was still close uh, despite missing a game. And, um, I mean, Bryce Young's not playing to the caliber now, so it doesn't matter. But uh, in general, this is unfair to Bryce Young that um, – they're not gonna. They're not gonna make Bryce Young the second only ever person to win the Heisman twice. Like I, yeah. I just like again. Like if he was playing to that level, that would absolutely be unfair to him. But I just call me whatever you want to call me. I just don't believe that they're gonna do that. Yeah, I don't either. I, I, I feel like Archie got it at the right time where they're like, oh man, like they need to. Like, someone's got to win it twice, and Archie just kind of had the campaign behind him, but no one else really did enough that year. Because uh, there's definitely been other players who could have won it twice, and you don't. Yeah. Like, you just don't win it twice. Uh, yeah. No matter what. Like, so. Tim Tebow comes to mind. What, Sam Bradford won it his, his last year. Uh, it's it's like really hard. It's in, You have to be incredible. And if someone else is equally as incredible, they'll probably give it to the new guy. Yeah, and because it's been so long since someone's won it, it's become like a historical thing now. It's become a thing of note. And so I just, I don't see, like, again, and this is absolutely the wrong reason. If you deserve it, you deserve it. 
I, I just don't yeah. see Heisman voters, especially the people who are voting at the Heisman are of a certain age. Um, I, I don't see some them just like doing that and, and taking that from Archie. Um, that's one of yeah. the coolest things in, in sports history. And so, um, but, and then also just in sports in general for voter fatigue, LeBron James should have more MVPs. Michael Jordan probably should have more. Kobe should have more. Like you get voter fatigue on, on certain things yeah, like that. And no Steve Nash should have multiple MVPs and Kobe has as little as he does. Yeah. So it, it, it's just one of those things. So yeah. And honestly, like thinking about works. it, thinking about it, it's just you gotta be special. Like Jameis had a really good opportunity to do it. He came out and threw like nineteen twenty one picks. Like uh Johnny Manziel had an opportunity, but the Heisman's a prestigious award too, so you can't be like a bad person off the field. And I'm not saying like partying and all that stuff's like makes you a bad person. I'm just saying like they wouldn't have done it. And they went nine and four. So you have to Lamar probably could have if he stayed another year, but he went and got his money. So I can't really hate on that either. Yeah. So, and CJ that's why CJ's gonna separate from Stetson. He's like, there's yeah. already a little bit of separation, but once like Georgia is gonna be Georgia, but he they are going to face better teams in the in the in the SEC. And so they're not gonna like he, he's not gonna put up the offensive numbers that he and it's just far. Um Stetson it has to overcome like this this reputation the mailman like this little walk-on guy and like people love underdog stories but the heisman's not in the business of underdog stories so no i and one i think it's cj's honestly and one of the other things that kind of happens is like to win these awards sometimes you need two years and so bryce young had two years because he was hyped up before he started as a high recruit and people and, and like people knew his name where they didn't know CJ's and now they know CJ's name. So now if he has a good year, it like verifies it. Um, yeah. Sometimes you like just like with Cincinnati or any G5 team in the playoffs, you need to have a good year where you almost miss it. And then people are looking at you and then you need that second year. And so that's what that this is for CJ. Um, where again, like I know this Bryce's first year starting, but Bryce was the Heisman uh, favorite before the season the jump, started yeah. because he had, you know, the the name. He was Alabama's starting quarterback. They were coming off the national championship or whatever it was, and and, and everyone knew his name as such a high recruit. And so, uh, yeah. All of yeah, those are not really, good reasons to win the Heisman. Like I'm not, you know, promoting yeah, that. Not, yeah. That there needs it's to be just, better reasons for winning awards. But if we're going to talk about it, we need to talk about how it's actually won and not pretend it's solely won on the field. Yeah, like if it was solely won on the field, Jordan Addison's probably not the Lenekoff winner last year. But uh, like that's how awards work. It's name, recognition, play on the field, and. That's pretty much it. it. It's like really a popularity contest, and then your play reflects it. Yeah, and we don't need to get into like the Bogolitnikov and things like that. Like those you are start in the highs. You start putting in for those awards like nine games into the season, or even earlier for some of them. And so JSN didn't even get a chance to be a finalist because he went on his streak too late into the season, and they had already he was already off the ballot. Yeah, and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson took too much from each other. Wild. Unfortunate. 
But yeah. All right. What's your score prediction for the weekend? And we'll get out of here. Uh, fifty-two to ten. Fifty-two to ten. I'll probably stick with like forty-one to ten. I'm gonna go lower. Weird score again. All right. I'm I'm sticking to it. Two field goals for Ohio State. Maybe not. Yeah. All right. I'll go with it. Yo, the one week I didn't pick, I had field goals. They scored 11 touchdowns, no field goals. Why? <laughs> well, Three uh, touchdowns. Keep, it was all touchdowns. Keep, uh, keep I don't think that will happen. Keep picking field goals, and, and we'll just get all touchdowns. and be good. All right, I'm changing it. 45 to 10. All right. Six touchdowns, one field goal. I'm with that. I think that's good. And then uh, – yeah, you can follow me at Chris Rennie CFB. You can follow the show at Buckout Pod. Where do we find you, Jordan? You can find me on Twitter at JordanW330. Tell your friends about the show, guys. Come on. Uh, just kidding. Uh, it's fun. We'll, we'll see you guys after the game. Instant recap. Don't forget to listen to us there also. And that's it. That's me signing out.